Welcome to the Full Minded with Elisabetta podcast, where my mission is to normalize the human experience. I believe there's power in authenticity and building a community immersed in it. I plan on bringing you on an in-depth and transparent journey of my life through solo episodes. I will also be interviewing a range of individuals who are willing to share their unique stories. On this podcast, we will dive into topics such as mental health, heartbreak, loss, change, trauma, self-love, and every other topic that makes up the human experience. While I do my very best to provide you insight and knowledge on these subject matters, this podcast is not a substitute for professional help. I am not a licensed therapist. I am simply a human sharing my experiences with the intent to help people feel less alone. If you are suffering, please consult with a licensed professional. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. Oh, it feels good to be on the mic. I haven't been on the mic in over seven weeks now because I batch recorded a bunch of episodes before I went away on my trip. And on my trip, I actually brought my microphone with the intention of recording episodes, many And my producer was like, you're not going to record any episodes while you're there. And I was like, no, I will. It's going to be such an amazing experience. I'm going to bring it. He's like, okay, I'm going to put you down for one episode while you're there. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to record more episodes than one. I recorded zero. He was right. It was just, it was really hard to tap into the mindset of podcasting, mainly because I knew that I wanted to do an episode on my entire experience and that my experience wasn't done yet. And if you would have asked me how my experience was after the first day, the second day, the third week, the fourth week, the fifth week, the very last day, and the day I got home, they were all such different perspectives of it. So I think it was just important for me to one, just live in the present moment while I was there and absorb everything that was happening and to just wait until I was like settled, wait until the dust settled from the trip so I could actually collect myself, reflect on it, and then tell you guys all about it. Because holy fuck, that trip, I'm definitely gonna cry on this episode. That trip was single-handedly the most beautiful thing I have ever done for myself. Like, I don't think I have ever loved myself as deeply as I do now after gifting myself that, that trip. Um, it was like, I wish I could plug, (laughs) this is what I was saying to my best friend too. I wish I could plug like my brain into, into yours, into everyone who's listening and just show you what it looked like, how it felt and like the buzz and the magic of it. Like I just, There's not enough words in the dictionary to be able to express, express this, the magnitude of this trip, the impact of this trip. But I'm a very articulate person. I'm a very sensitive person. So I feel like I'm going to do my very best to bring you on this journey in as like much depth as possible. And then hopefully encourage everyone to go to Asia or go on a solo trip because Y'all need it for sure. Promise you, you need it. 
All right. So for the people that haven't been following along on social media, I randomly decided to go on this solo trip to Southeast Asia. And the, okay, so I have been feeling drawn to do something like that. Like since my past relationship, I remember being in the relationship and being like, I think I might just need to like scoot away to Bali for like a month by myself. (laughs) And they were like, what? (laughs) Like I had been feeling drawn to do something like that. Like I, I, I don't even know what the pull was. I had never really thought about doing a trip like that before. Like I'd always been like, Oh, Mexico or like just down South somewhere. Like doesn't need to be on the other side of the world. But there was this pull for the last two years for me to go, I think to just a different culture to that culture specifically. And I just couldn't stop feeling that way. And I remember when I was living in Texas, that was the hardest I've ever mentally crashed from living in a place. Like the energy is just very, very different in Texas. Um, It's different everywhere. And if you're susceptible to energy, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I'm about to sound whack. But the energy in different places in the world, different cities, different cult, like there's so many things that contribute. There's so many layers that contribute to energy. You know, it's like the culture, the people, um, the hustle bustle, the noise. Um, if you're around nature or not, like there's just so many different things. And Texas was by far like the darkest energy that I'd ever lived in and, and been surrounded by. Um, not to say it's like a terrible place. It's just for me, it was really hard because the energy of it was like really dark and consuming. So I went into a super deep slump while I was there. That's putting it lightly. I was not okay mentally. I ended up having to come back to Canada for a bit. Um, the reason I was there for the people that don't know is I was dating somebody from Texas. So I lived there for a little bit for him Anyway, so I don't live in Texas anymore and I'm really grateful for that (laughs) and I would never live there again. But the reason I'm saying that is because that's when this overwhelming feeling, you know, of I need to go to a different culture came on me. And it might have been because I was in a place that was just awful and dark and my brain was like, hell no. But I had been feeling that way for a long time and then moved back to Canada, moved to Vancouver, which is where I'm now living. And I love it. The energy here is very beautiful because of the uh, mountains and the trees and the forest. Like there's a lot of fresh air and it's just, it's really beautiful, but it's really different than like now comparing it to a different culture and like three other countries. It's so different. I, I view that I view Vancouver's energy very differently now that I've been to Asia. Um, But yeah, so I had been, long story long, yeah, I had been feeling drawn to go to a different culture for a long time. So after my breakup with the guy from Texas, I was living in Vancouver at the time and I was chatting with my friend on the phone who actually lives in Vietnam. So she is originally from Canada. We met each other when when I lived on the East coast and we became great friends. She's amazing. And she ended up moving. Like she didn't even purposely move. This is the craziest thing. So she just went backpacking for a couple of weeks in Thailand and then found out that needed English teachers. And she is a teacher here. So she was like, 
you know what? Fuck it. So she literally just had a backpack, nothing else. And she flew to Vietnam, did the interview, got the job. And she's been living there for three years and absolutely loves it. So I was on FaceTime with her and I was just bringing her up to speed with everything in my life. And she was like, you should come visit. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I was like, that actually feels so aligned immediately. Like, let's book it. So within the couple weeks, I had booked my trip. I booked a one way. And if you're able to, I mean, I'm self-employed, so it's a little bit easier, but if you're able to, I feel like booking a one way, especially if you're doing a big trip like that, even if you do have an end date in mind or you have to come back by, it's just smarter because you don't know where the journey is going to bring you and you don't know where you're going to want to fly out of or when you're going to want to leave, right? You could get there. It's the other side of the world. It's very, very different, right? So you could get there and absolutely hate it and need to come home within a week. Or you could love it and want to extend yourself and like you don't want to pay more to extend your trip, right? So my recommendation, first thing, just book a one-way. <laughs> um, so I booked a one-way. It was for April 21st, 2023, because it was 2022 when we were chatting about it towards the end of the year. And I put a countdown in my phone and I was like, oh my God, in 109 days, I'm going to Asia. This is crazy. This is so cool. Like this is something I had dreamed about doing, but didn't know if I actually could. And I'll be honest with you. I I still was like, okay, I know I can, like I'm a boss ass bitch. And I, if I can do anything I set my mind to, but there was a lot of factors. So if you are listening and you didn't know me before this, like I was really, I kind of like had a stick up my ass for a lot of years and I just like wouldn't try new food and I wouldn't try like I was closed off to new cultures and I just like was in a little bubble and I ate at like three different restaurants and I just wouldn't ever get out of my comfort zone and I was kind of like I don't know judgmental towards people who did it I don't know I just like wasn't as cool and open-minded and like obviously I was like younger and learning and yada yada but I just had a a very negative attitude towards change and like, yeah, anyway, I don't like that version of me. I'm really happy that I've evolved. But yeah, back then I just was very closed off to new things and judgmental towards the people that would be like, you should be open to change. And it's like, fuck off. Anyway, I'm not like that anymore. But what helped me not be like that was moving. So I moved out of my hometown when I was like 22. I moved to the East Coast and you can revisit the introduction episode if you haven't listened because that'll explain like my little like life story but moving to the east coast just oh my god it like opened my fucking mind up in a whole other way I was like so you're telling me I can make friends with people who aren't just like in my hometown or I didn't go to high school with like I can curate my own group of friends and like I just learned so much from living on my own and understanding just basic things like how much actually being an adult costs and like my respect for my parents and like why I wish I didn't argue when my parents would be like turn off the lights if you're not using them because I was like what the fuck why and now I'm just like oh yeah it's super expensive like just a bunch of stuff and it's I was on the east coast so I tried seafood because that was something I was super against I was like no I don't want to try it I don't know I don't like it but like I don't want to try it and I started trying all these new foods and I was like damn seafood's actually bomb like I love it and it was just a really massive eye-opening experience for me so that is who I used to be so even like my best friend now who's watched me for the last 15 years like grow and evolve she's like I can't believe you're going to Asia like this just feels 
wild. She's like, I know you're going to, like, it's amazing. And, like, where you're at now, you're going to love it. But, like, the you, even, like, five, six years ago, bro. And I was like, no, same. Like, I'm, I'm shocking myself, too. And even the, like, opinions I got, like, before I went, like, my producer and friend, he was also like, I think you're going to be in sensory overload because of the chaos and the busyness and the hustle bustle and all this stuff. And, you know, the food may upset your stomach and like, you may not like it. And I was just like, yeah, no, but I'm willing to take the leap and I'm willing to try it. And I think there's just a lot of hesitancy towards backpacking Asia. I feel like if you haven't been the people who haven't been are usually the ones being like, be careful, be safe. It's so dangerous. It's so, you know what? The world in general is dangerous, but I will say after traveling Asia alone as a female, North America is far more dangerous than fucking Asia for sure, which may come as a surprise to a lot of people. And it came as a surprise to me because so many people had been like, be careful, be safe. Don't leave your shit unattended. Like I left my purse and it was returned to me. Like it is such a safe fucking culture. And it definitely depends on the country you're into. But for me speaking in Vietnam, cause that's where I spent most of my time. It was so safe and so amazing. And the people just aren't out to try and rob you. Like the internet says, like, it's just very different. So I feel like I just want to take you guys on this journey and like explain, you know, maybe the, the headspace I was in before going and then during and then after because damn, Asia really just blew my mind in the best way. Okay. I feel like I've prefaced the episode enough now and I'm ready to like dive in and tell you the whole experience. So my countdown goes off from 109 days since I booked it. I get up and I go to Asia. So I booked a flight from Vancouver straight to Hanoi, Vietnam. And cause that's where my friend lives. So I was like, my intention was to stay with her for a little bit, kind of get a feel and then go off, do some solo travel and her be like my home base. So my flight was not direct. I don't know if there are any direct, to be honest, or if there are, no, I really don't think there are, but if there are, they're going to be very, very expensive. So my flight was from Vancouver had a layover in Seoul, South Korea. And then, so my first flight was 12 hours, was it? And then my second flight was four and a half. And there was a layover for a couple hours in between. So by the time I got to Hanoi, I was like fucking delusional. One thing about me, not a big fan of flying. I have chronic vertigo. I've had it since I was three. So like boats flying and like driving on windy roads are all really, really, really really challenging for me. So for those of you that don't know what vertigo is, oof, Google an image of what it looks like. And then it'll show you what like my, what my eyes see when I'm having an attack. It's terrible. Um, but it's kind of like the drunk spins times 10 and you don't really know when it's going to end. And it just, it affects your equilibrium. So flying, boating, whiny roads, hell on earth. So not a big fan of flights and I can't really sleep on them because of that reason, because I feel everything like my equilibrium is just like off balance. So I feel every movement very intensely. So it's super hard for me to sleep. So I wasn't really able to sleep at all. So by the time I touched down in Hanoi, I was like, God, I'm happy to be here, but I'm so delusional. (laughs) And then, so I got picked up by... uh, one of their drivers. Cause like everybody has mopeds in Hanoi. Like you don't really... It would be foolish to drive a car in Hanoi. Like the traffic is wild. And at least with like a moped scooter, you can just kind of scoot by the cars and like wind in and out. Another thing about Hanoi, 
there are no traffic laws, like, at all. Like, there are some stoplights, but people don't even really abide by those. Like, it'll be red and people just go. Like, I encourage you to YouTube a video of, like, Hanoi traffic rush hour and kind of catch a vibe. And I would have thought that that would have stressed me out, but for some reason, it wasn't stressful because it the energy of the people just going place to place wasn't like, move the fuck out of the way. It was just like, beep, beep, I'm here, beep, beep, look out. Like, they're just, we, they're just like, accept that there's like 10 fucking million of us and we just need to get from point A to point B. And like, if we need to do a U-turn or if we need to drive backwards or on the wall to get there, we're going to do it. And everyone's like, okay, sick. Sounds like a good deal. So it's just a very chill. And like my driver, we were in a car, but my driver like went down some alleyway and just like was driving past people and like scooters and people were just kind of hopping out of the way. And I was like, I love it here. (laughs) I remember being so exhausted. It was like the middle of the night and I was like, I already love it here. (laughs) This is so cool. This is my kind of chaos. So I arrive, I see my friend, I'm staying with my friend and her boyfriend. I like hadn't seen her in three years. So that was a beautiful reunion. And then we went right to bed. So that was perfect for the jet lag because I feel like when coming home, my jet lag was so much worse because of the time I landed at. So I landed at night. So it was like midnight, I think. And I just knocked out. My internal clock was still off quite a bit for, I'd say it took me three days to kind of adjust, but yeah, it was a lot easier having a flight that landed at the nighttime. So if you're able to, if you're booking your solo trip, because you are going to be booking a solo trip, um, pay attention to the times and try and line it up for nighttime when you get there. Unless you're someone that's like, you know, doesn't have vertigo and you love planes. There's, there's people that sleep during takeoff. Like I, I don't know those people. I'm not those people. I don't understand those people, but if you're those people, you're winning in my eyes. Cause you can take any flight anywhere and just fucking snooze. Good for you. But for the other people who can't really sleep on flights, figure out the times before you go. Anywho, so I wake up the next morning dazed and confused and so fucking excited. And my friend bought me a mango smoothie. (laughs) I remember every detail because I was like, this, this is the coolest thing ever. And the view from their apartment was so cool. Like, Hanoi is just one of the most charming cities I've ever been to in my fucking life. Like, it is just... I can't even explain it. So my first day was actually, was genuinely perfect. So woke up, had a mango smoothie, got dressed. And then my friend and I, we went exploring into Old Town or Old Quarter, Hanoi, which is just like, it's a big tourist spot as far as like, if you're coming to visit, it's like a a really good example of all the culture. So I feel like there's like lots of shopping. There's lots of things to eat. It's near the lake. Um, it's just really, it's really quaint and charming and beautiful. So we spent the afternoon in old quarter. We got like, we got pho, we ate pho for lunch. And then we got ice cream cones from this place called Mitsu. And it ended up being like 50 cents an ice cream cone, the equivalent. So another thing about Asia is it's hella cheap, hella cheap, especially Vietnam. I would say Vietnam is probably the cheapest. Thailand is similar, but Vietnam is, I think definitely has a beat. Um, so your meal, like our pho was probably like maybe a $2 Canadian I'm speaking in. And then the ice cream is 50 cents. So I was like, what the fuck? I love it here. And the other thing I love too, is they have like everything knockoff, like purses, shirts, everything is just 
and it's like $4 for like a Louis Vuitton wallet that looks real. Now, I'm not somebody who's super brandy myself because I can't be bothered to spend however much. I couldn't even tell you what a fucking Louis Vuitton wallet costs. I have no, no, like, I fucking idea. But when it's $5, sure, I'll get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't care that it's knockoff. Like some people are like, oh, I would never. And I was like, oh, babe, I could care less. It's either this or something from winners, like whatever. It's not that deep. So I definitely did lots of shopping, which was amazing. And then later that night, we ended up celebrating her birthday because her birthday had been a couple days earlier with all of these people from her school that she worked with. And it was cool because we so in Hanoi, there's different street themes. So there'll be like Sunglass Street or like Sports Street or Chicken Street, for example, like so random, but it makes sense. Like, you know, so we went to Chicken Street and everything in uh, Vietnam, like are like, like really short, low to the ground tables and like little stools, plastic chair vibes. Like if you have a bad back, heads up now. Um, but so it was just really cool. And if you... If you want to follow me on Instagram, I would suggest you look through my highlight reels that I've saved because I did post a lot of my experience. I tried to travel vlog like the whole time. Um, one, it's just great keepsake. And two, I really wanted you guys to follow along and be able to like feel like you're there with me. So you'll see in one of the videos, but it's just right low to the ground. <clears throat> and plastic little chairs so there was like probably 15 or 20 of us I'd say and it's so cool because it's just it feels so safe like you don't feel like you're getting ripped off you don't feel like someone's gonna come and snatch you you don't feel like it's like there's kids just running around and playing in the street there's mopeds just like going by and like dodging them like just it's just chill like it gets such a different vibe from Canada or from any other culture I've ever experienced like I can't like I said, it's hard to explain it in words, but it just, it just feels like the way that we're supposed to live. Like I feel in North America, we, I mean, the way I was raised was obviously to be like careful of everyone. Don't trust anyone. Don't talk to strangers. Don't play in the streets. Don't be out past dark. Like it was just very, and that's just what we know to be, you know, safe. Those are our perimeters. So to see a different culture, we're like, it's like 1030 at night and the kids are just playing in the street and somebody will come by a local and just like play ball with them and then keep going. Like, and the mom will just laugh while cooking for, you know, 15 people. And it's just like, it's so interesting to see such a different way of living and it'd be totally normal to them, you know? And it just, it felt like the right way to live because I feel like, while assessing it, I, I do feel like what whenever a society deems it unfit or unsafe, the more unsafe that society grows, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, like the states, for example, you know, they're like, we all have a right to have a gun. So we're all going to have guns. And then in turn, there's like so many mass shootings and there's so much gun violence and things like that. And I feel like it's indirect it's in direct proportion to how much the society deems it unfit and I feel like because you go into it just thinking like yeah it's unsafe I need to bear arms I need to be doing this I need to be doing that and like same with Canada in its own ways like I feel like we're all like oh this is gonna happen so this is good we almost like manifest our own unsafeness if I feel like the people that will get that will really get it and the other people I might just confuse but yeah I feel like Asia just knows what's up in a lot of ways 
And so it was just really beautiful experience having dinner on Chicken Street and just watching these kids play and it being 10 p.m. and they're just chilling and they, they came up and tried to talk to us and throw their ball. And I was just like, this is so cool. Like, it's so lax. That's the other thing. It's very, very relaxed. Most people's restaurants or businesses that they own are attached to their homes. So you walk in to their home, essentially, if you're eating out. And they're just like, you know, they're either holding their baby or they're just talking with their friends or they're on their phone. They'll be like, hey, be there soon. Like, and you just wait. And it just is what it is. And I feel like in North America, we've been like, I don't know, catered to and spoiled in the sense of just being like, we demand to be served immediately when we walk in. But it's just such a breath of fresh air to not be so demanding and expecting of people to just like accept people for where they're at, which is the fact that they're going to be five minutes late because they're like rocking their baby to sleep because their business is attached to their home. It was fucking beautiful. I was like this already this culture feels more like what I would want to be a part of than Western culture. And I've said that for a while now too. Like I play the game. I got a business. I try to, you know, promote social media for the business and do all the things that I'm supposed to in this culture to win and to thrive or whatever. I'm doing air quotes galore right now. You can't see me, but I've always felt like, I don't know if this culture is for me. I could totally, totally see me just being very nomadic one day and like logging off of social, maybe having somebody to run my social. So I'm, so I'm still getting that like positive and inspiring word out there promoting my business, but I don't really want to be on social media at all. And cause it just doesn't feel like the way we're supposed to live, you know, like, I don't know. It's such an interesting concept because I think we're all, especially if you're a, a business owner, you're trying to promote your business. Like there's that feeling of needing to be on social media to, you know, share your life and post these things and try and promote yourself basically, you know, make a name for yourself. But and there's a part of me that does enjoy that. And I do enjoy taking videos and I do enjoy sharing that with the world, but there's definitely a much bigger part of me that would like to not at all and just be completely nomadic and have nobody know where I am and just be no real place to call home. But like, you know, you just have a home within yourself. So wherever you go is, it feels like home. Um, yeah, that feels more like me. So I safe to say my first day in Asia, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to move here. (laughs) And I don't know what that looks like at this moment in time, but I definitely can see myself moving somewhere abroad. And I was having this conversation with my friends since getting back. I was like, I don't even know if it's like Asia that I necessarily would want to live. I think it's just the removal of living in Western culture because it doesn't, I don't identify with it. And I certainly identify with it less now having been to a different culture and coming back. I feel like I'm like, no bueno, I don't want to get here. (laughs) Like, blessed to live in this beautiful city, blessed to be Canadian. Don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't feel like it aligns with me so much anymore. So anyways, back to the timeline of my trip. Um, So I stayed in Hanoi, Vietnam for about a week and then, yeah, five days. And then my friend, her boyfriend and I, we all booked a trip to Hoi An and we took a flight there. It was like, 
an hour and a half flight. Everywhere in Asia is one really cheap to get to and two like super quick. Like it's, I once took a flight that was 20 minutes for $20 and I was like, bro, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) I feel like that just can't even be real. Even my flight over was only $800. And I'm like, I can't even fly to the other side of fucking Canada for that. Like that's wild to me. So the flights, once you're there, it's just going to blow your mind. It's so, so cheap. Anyway, so we go to Hoi An and I, we stay at this most adorable hotel in the world. Like the, like the owner of the hotel is there waiting for us when we get off of our flight, which is like 1130 PM. She's poured us iced tea. She has an entire display of fresh fruit for us. And she's just like got a map to explain Hoi An and tell us all the things we need to do. Like, it's so cute. Like, I love it. I just love it. Like, that shit hypes me up. Like, the owner is just waiting for us to be there just so she can, like, and she, like, basically tucked us the fuck in, honestly. She just about did. Like, she walked us to her room and, like, fluffed the pillows, and she was just, like, the cutest person. And I was like, this is so cool. I feel like in Canada, like, they might not even be at the front desk when you check in, and you might have to, like, call some sort of security number to get a hold of someone and be like, hey, like, I'm checking in. I really need to check it in. They're like, mm. And it's hit or miss. They may, they may be like, you know what? They've gone home for the night, so you're on the streets. Like, I just feel like Asia's, at least Vietnam, is like a very much yes culture. Like, they'll just do anything. They just, they super believe in karma, and I just think they, they just, love serving people like they just love being a good person and I feel like you know it's just it's just so different than here it's so very different so anyways we check into this adorable hotel and we're there for five nights I think it was the second day in Hoi An that I was like I was trying to explain my trip to the best of my ability and be like here's little videos of me doing this and I remember writing a a blog being like I am officially at the point in my trip where I can no longer explain it in words like this is unbelievable um we'd gone to the Hoi An night market which is iconic if you are going to Hoi An you absolutely need to go to the night market it was like Disneyland on crack like I can't even explain it otherwise like I was like wide-eyed walking in like Oh my God. And something about me too, I think it's because of having BPD. Obviously our highs are highs and our lows are lows. So like my excitement feels euphoric. Like when you, like if you give me a box of raisins, I'm like, this is the best fucking day in the world. And I like, don't even really love raisins that much, but it's a thought. So I feel like it doesn't take much to impress me, but this place was super impressive. So I was just like overstimulated in the best way, like not in a sensory, like a negative way. I was just like, oh my God, the lights, the music, the boats. Like it was, it's like voted one of the most magical cities in Vietnam. I'm pretty sure. Romantic. I'm sure they didn't use the word magic. That's just for me, but romantic. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it was amazing. And then that's where I did most of my shopping that I was telling you about, like Prada bags and Louis bags and all these things for like $11. I was like, how the fuck is this real? I love it. Um, got massages. We tried a bunch of food, but tried a bunch of street food. Like it, it was just absolutely amazing. We actually went to a restaurant where Anthony Bourdain had gone and said that it was the best Calan. I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Calan that he had ever tried, which is basically like pork and noodles and green onion and vegetable like kind of mixed into a dish it's really delicious 
and it's native to Hoi An. So we definitely had a lot of that. Kalao? <laughs> Shit. Uh, my friends can listen to this and be like, God damn it, Alyssa. Um, but yeah, no, it was... Oh, it was so amazing. And we went biking through the rice patties and had like iced tea and mojitos, like virgin sodas and stuff like that. And it was just, I'm, I'm just like smiling so big thinking about it. I wish I could just bring everyone there. Like it was so cool. Definitely do Hoi An and definitely do the night market when you do. Um, <clears throat> and as I mentioned too, I will be doing an episode on like the actual like places that I stayed, how much I spent, what everything cost, my recommendations of doing slash not. Um, I will do that in a separate episode. This is more just like my takeaway and my personal experience from the trip because I, I just had to break it into two. It'd be literally six hours long. So yeah, Hoi An was amazing. We stayed for about a week and then we came, we flew back to Hanoi. We were there for just a night. And then my friend and I went to a place called Natrang and we went and spent my birthday there. So we had a little girls weekend, just her and I, which was so special. And it was really cool. So Natrang is like very, like it's a big city vibe like lots of tall buildings with lights on it but it was it was a coastal town so it was right on the beach so it was like the best of both and um we honestly just lounged we had had tourist things in mind that we were like maybe we should do it but she had been working non-stop I had been working for the last two and a half years straight so I was like I'm actually good to just chill and so we just lounged by the beach but that in itself was such an experience because the locals would walk by I remember the first day we got there and we were on the beach and I was like, I'm kind of hungry. Like I could eat and I shit you not. This woman popped out of fucking thin air with a, with corn on the cob in her pot and was just like, you want corn? And I was like, I would love corn actually. Yes. <laughs> so we sat down on our beach chairs and this woman just like gave us corn. We bought corn from her. Then somebody came by with rice crackers, different flavors, spicy banana was the best. Mm, banana was so good. Um, people come by with fresh fruit, with fucking sunglasses. I bought like my fake Gucci's and fake Burberry sunglasses for $8. Cause I was like, yeah, of course I need more, babe. Like one thing about me is like, I'm always say yes to the locals. So I'll be their favorite always. Like, I just can't say no to them. You're telling me you're going to sell me a cool rice cake that you're going to crack with your hat and I'll eat it right here. Like I'm into it. Like I'll buy it. It's like, I cannot, I cannot say no to them. I don't want to say no to them. So yeah, I ended up with a lot of things <laughs> after my visit to Natrang and we ended up meeting two girls from England that were fucking hilarious. British people are hilarious and they're everywhere. <laughs> I definitely met the most Brits out of any other country on this trip and I'm happy about that. So we met these two girls. We ended up going clubbing. So this is the other part of the experience that I wanted to chat about. So for those that don't know, I am sober. I have been sober from drugs for over three years and from alcohol, something like 500 days. And I just decided that I'm better without these substances. I had issues with it in past, which I will do a whole episode on explaining, but yeah, I just, it's not for me anymore. It's, I'm not my best version of myself on it. So this was my first very big trip where I was completely sober. And I definitely will be honest with you guys that at the beginning of the trip, I struggled the most because I was like, this feels like a trip I'm supposed to be drinking on this. This feels like I should be getting fucked up right now because it's instilled in you. It's instilled that mindset of, you know, celebratory drinks or like your sad 
girl drinks or you are stressed out drinks or you know what I mean there was always alcohol was a big crutch to me and in my life for a a lot of years so even though I've been sober for a long time and even though I know it's the best decision and I feel like day to day I don't really think about it as much I think just being on this trip and being around other people that were drinking it was just like wow this really feels like am I missing out on something you know but you're not for all my sober babes out there, like you're not missing out on anything. If you have made the decision to remove alcohol in your life, then that is the best decision for you. And you cannot have FOMO for something you decided that is no longer for you, you know, cause you're not missing out. It's not aligned with you. So there's nothing to miss out on. But I will say the beginning part of the trip was very, very hard. But then after a couple really uncomfortable moments with it, I was okay. And I just reminded myself why I'm sober. I'm like, what would, what would happen? Best case, we're going to spend more money. We're going to feel like shit. We're going to be dysregulated. We're going to ruin a lot of moments that would actually be probably clear and beautiful all on their own and amazing without the need of alcohol. And we're just going to cloud that for what, you know what I mean? Like, it just wouldn't be worth it. So I didn't, but I did realize that I actually like clubbing sober. So in the Trang, there was this club and it was on like the 45th floor or something, the Sheraton hotel. It was a beautiful view. And I hadn't clubbed yet since being sober. I hadn't, I haven't really gone to bars at all. One, it's just not really, when you're sober, it's just not the same vibe, right? But being in Asia, being in a different culture and being around people that I didn't know, that was a really cool experience for me because I was able to let loose without really caring about the judgment attached to it or what it looked like. So I ended up falling in love with clubbing going to bed at a reasonable hour though. Like I'm still going to get my eight, nine hours of sleep. Like nothing is ever going to compromise that. But it was really fun and it was really freeing. And I remember being like, wow, I actually feel like I can be who I want to be and it not be attached to alcohol. And that's the first time I can fully say that in all aspects that I am the person I drank. I used to drink to become. I am that sober now. That is such a fucking boss move for somebody who has struggled with alcoholism and felt dependent on it. I remember having such an identity crisis after giving up alcohol and just being like, who am I? Like I was the boxed wine girl. I I know, I know. (laughs) I was the boxed wine girl and I just made friends wherever I went because I was carrying alcohol that had a fucking handle and I had four liters of it. So I was always sharing and it was really hard to, you know, unidentified, strip that identity away from myself and become somebody outside of that. So that was a very cool, iconic moment for me to be able to push through those feelings of discomfort and push through those feelings that society, you know, has linked in our brains that we need to associate alcohol with having a good time. So that was amazing. And I'm very proud of myself for remaining sober. That really wasn't, that wasn't going to change, even though I was struggling. I knew that that was the end goal and I wasn't going to give in, but it was still very, very tempting. But I'm telling you the reward from, like, what's it called when you, oh, delayed gratification. That's it. When you delay gratification for something for even more gratification, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I think you guys get the gist of it. It's basically like, you know, I could have this right now, but I'm building a life for a better this tomorrow. And so that delayed gratification, like that feeling of overcoming those feelings of wanting to drink and feeling left out and feeling like I'm not a cool person for not drinking is 
nothing compared to the feeling. Like even if you were to drink and break and like be drunk and have that moment, like that in that immediate gratification would not ever compare to the feeling of overcoming that and realizing I don't need alcohol to identify with to be a cool person like that is basically what I'm trying to say um it was beautiful it was it was honestly a really really amazing part of the trip and the trip was just starting like that's what I mean talking about this trip and just knowing I'm only three cities in at this point like I feel like I evolved into a different version of myself and healed different parts of me with each journey, with each city, with each trip. Every trip was so different. It had a different feel. I almost feel like every single day of the trip was a different trip, you know, with just how different each day was and the experiences and the adventures that I went on and the people I met, like it all just had a different tone. So it was just, it's really cool to sit down and and kind of summarize it for you guys and just share my whole experience. I'm so excited. So after Natrang, it came time to part ways with my friend. So she was heading back to Hanoi and I was originally going to go back to Hanoi with her, but she said, it makes more sense if you start your solo travel from Natrang because where we were, like you want to kind of explore the South of Vietnam and Hanoi was North. So she's like, no sense to fly back there and then just come back to where you want to go. And I was like, true. So I just didn't get on my flight. It was like 20 bucks. It's not that, you know, not that big of a deal. And I decided from there, I would go to Dalat. So this is a whole other journey of my trip. Like being with my friend was amazing. Being with her and her boyfriend, you know, in Hoi An too was fun, but like I was about to embark on just me, myself, and I, and I was a lot more nervous for it than you would maybe think, given how social I am. Like, I was really like, I just don't know what to expect, and a lot of this trip for me was learning to relinquish control over things. Like, you can't really, you can try to plan. I mean, you can try and plan life in general. I just think plans are, you know, they're great in a way, but they're kind of irrelevant because you just can't plan life. Like life is so unpredictable. Solo travel is kind of the same. And I'm not big on planning in general. Like I actually feel like growing up in a household where we were like, had to hyper plan every move, every hour of our day, every, I kind of get repulsed by the idea of having a plan. Like I really don't like having that type of structure it almost feels like force structure that I have to have because everybody has to have a plan I'm like no I don't like to be a part of that <laughs> so other than knowing I was going to the lot and choosing you know the hostel that day I I didn't plan anything and I didn't plan anything for this whole trip other than like the next day at it we would just, or even sometimes that day like it was just very much I want to take it day by day I want to take a bit minute by minute and I think that's the best way that was the best way for me to do it everybody's different if you wanted to pre-plan your trip there's no harm in that I just for me I really enjoyed just letting the moment take me to wherever the next plan would be so I originally wanted to motorbike across because I had motorbiked in Hoi An which was a lot of fun I did a day trip to Da Nang well as in Hoi An just like a quick little day trip that was fun so I felt comfortable on the motorbikes and like I said I thrive in this type of chaos like I'm not really a law-abiding citizen myself like I don't I think all, all the rules I just silly sometimes <laughs> I just especially traffic laws like what the fuck anyway so for me driving in 
a more like laxed environment like I'm here for it like I take wrong turns I'm kind of a shit driver myself I'll be honest so for me to just be able to rip a u-turn and go like on a one-way and everyone's just like fine with it like I'm living for that you know like no one's judging me for it I'm not judging them it's just more it's chill and it's chaos that works so I was like I want to take a motorbike and do the drive to Dalat, which would have been three hours and a bit. But my hotel, the hotel manager was like, I would recommend you don't because the weather one and like two, just you on the bike, it's too light. Like if you had another person or if you had like a driver with you and I was like, I didn't really want to have a driver. I wanted to experience it by myself, but I took that as like a sign that I shouldn't. I just kind of like let everything fall into place the way it was. So if someone told me I should a recommendation, okay, maybe that was a sign that I heard that recommendation. I'll try it. You know, like I really tried to live my trip like that and just embrace the lack of routine of it all, because that was another aspect I was nervous for is like, I'm very structured when I'm home and like, I go to the gym every day and I eat certain things and I'm really healthy. And like, I tried to be as healthy as I could, but I didn't work out for seven weeks, which was wild, but it didn't even feel stressful. I just leaned into the whole process of it, which was really cool. Um, So I ended up having to take a bus instead of a moped because they were like, no, we don't recommend that. And I was like, okay, I'll just take a bus. It was, I think like 30 bucks. It was super cheap. And the bus took me, yeah, from Natrang to Dalat. And Dalat is very like, it's a completely different climate than a lot of Vietnam. So it's not near as hot or muggy. It's more like damp and moist. It was really rainy. There's like mountainous views. Like it was very like in the slopes and stuff. So it was cool. It was completely different from anything that I'd seen yet. So that was a really fun journey for me. And I stayed in this hostel. I got a private room. I did not stay in any shared dorms in hostels. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I ever will be. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I trust people enough to sleep alone. I like, I don't know, like sleeping is such a vulnerable state to be in. And if you're not in an environment you trust, like, I just don't think I'd get a good sleep anyway. So I did private rooms, but do whatever you're comfortable with. Um, this bed was actually a rock. Um, so a lot of Asian beds are like hard as actually the floor. So that was tough. I definitely had to ask for extra comforters to like pad it with. Cause I was like, damn, but this place was 15 bucks a night. It was super cheap. And it was just really cozy. And it was like, it was me, right? Like it was my first me trip, just doing me by myself. And so I ended up riding a motorbike when I was there. Most of your hotels or hostels will have motorbikes in Vietnam that you can rent. And I ended up just looking up all of the cool tourist things to do. And I just biked to them myself instead of doing the organized tour. I saved money that way. And then I could just go on my own schedule and I wasn't with a bunch of other people. So I went and did um, like a cable car ride, a lookout point. I went to a puppy farm where they had a bunch of different breeds of puppies and they were taken care of well made sure of that. Um, yeah, they were all very healthy and happy and had lots of food and water and like were treated really well. But so that was a really cool experience. Um, I don't know if I would go back to Dalat just cause it was much more small compared to the other cities that I went to. And it was just quite cold. So I was like, I'm heat baby. I don't really like the cold. I'm Canadian. Get me out of the fucking cold, please. But Dalat was really cool. And then I remember just being like, I don't know where to go next. I 
had met somebody in Chang that I became friends with right before I left. And I was like, I really wanted to go back and visit them and actually get to hang out with them properly because we only had a couple hours. And so I debated going back to Chang, but then I was like, oh, I could fly to Ho Chi Minh. By this point, my visa was going to expire within a week. So I needed to apply for a new visa and I needed to do a visa run. And a visa run means that you need to like leave the country and then just come back. As long as you have your new visa lined up for the same day that you were to fly, um, you can basically just do a U-turn. You can just go to the place that you want to fly and come right back. Um, so I was planning on doing that and I was like, where would I want to fly from? So my next city ended up being Ho Chi Minh, which was the $20 flight and the 20 minute flight. I was like, what the fuck? So Ho Chi Minh city, formerly known as Saigon is a massive city. There's definitely well over 10 million people there. And it was a very big city energy, which is what I was craving after being in such a quaint, calm environment. I was like, get me back into a big city. So I flew there, touched down. I stayed in this really cool, um, it was kind of like Airbnb. It was listed on Hostel World, but it was an Airbnb and it was really cheap for what I got. It was my nicest hotel room. I would say one of the nicest overall. That's hard. I stayed in a lot, but I had my own washing machine. Like the bathroom was amazing. The room was so big. Like it was just such a vibe. And I originally just was going to stay for, I just booked two nights. That was the thing. I always booked less nights than I thought I would want to stay just because I'd rather that than more. Like you can always add on a night, you know, it's trickier to take it off. So I only booked two nights, but I extended it multiple times. I think I ended up staying in Ho Chi for about a week. And while I was in Ho Chi Minh, I met girls from Norway who were talking to me about, you know, their travels so far. And I was sharing with them that I needed to do a visa run. And I'd heard that the cheapest way to do that was to go through Bangkok and then come back. And they were like, dude, if you like Ho Chi Minh, you'll love Bangkok. And I was like, really? They were like, yeah, you should definitely go to Bangkok and like stay for a couple days if you're going to go. And I was like, okay. So I took it as a sign. I was like, you know what? Maybe I heard that for a reason. Maybe I should just yeah, fuck it. Stay in Bangkok, Thailand for a couple days. Like I had wanted to explore other countries, but my idea was to just take that six weeks, seven weeks, however long I ended up staying and just completely absorb the culture of Vietnam. Like I just kind of wanted to do country at a time, but obviously with the visa expiring and having to run, I was like, I may as well just stay a couple days in Bangkok. What's the harm, you know? So I did just that. I booked my flight to Bangkok and I just, I actually picked the hotel that those girls from Norway recommended me and booked two nights. And I was like, I'll just see how I feel. Before I get into my Bangkok story, I just wanted to say, well, being in Ho Chi Minh during that week, I met so many different people from all over the world. It was really cool the way that my Airbnb was lined up. So It was basically in one of these two tall towers of buildings and in the middle of the two towers was a community pool. And the two buildings were like a blend between like hotel, hostel, Airbnbs, condos. Like it was just a mix of different people. So you got to meet a lot of different people at the community pool that were like there for different reasons or maybe they lived there, they were just passing through, etc. So the community pool is where I made all my friends pretty much in Ho Chi Minh. And I met people from Australia, Zimbabwe, Sweden, Norway, and it was just 
oh, they were the best. People are, I just had the most fun just learning about people's countries and their cultures and what was, you know, normal for them and what they thought of Asia and where they'd been. And it's just really cool. I feel like solo traveling, you're never really alone because there's always people that are doing something similar or you'll just bump into people. And it was honestly just amazing. And one of the days, actually, I would say this was probably my favorite day in Ho Chi. Um, I asked this random couple by the pool that was from Sweden if they wanted to go to the water park with me because the pool was actually closed for maintenance that day. So I was like, oh, lame. And it's so hot in Ho Chi. So I was like, do you guys want to go to a water park with me? And we ended up going. <laughs> I was like, it'll be fun. It'll be chill. Like, come join. And they were like, yeah, for sure. So we get there and it looks cool as fuck. Um, we're definitely the only Westerners for sure. And we go on the first slide that we see and we're like, let's go on these ones. And there was like three twisty ones. So we each took a turn and we go down the slide and we get off and I'm like, I have water at my fucking ass, in my eyes, in my nose, my mouth. I'm like confused. My fucking swimsuit's half off. I'm just like, I just got like, the shit kicked out of me by that water slide. They're both like, we're not doing anymore. <laughs> They're like, fuck this shit. What the fuck was that? And I was like, what is this place? Like, I have been to... <laughs> I have been to water parks before, but guys, when I'm telling you, this water park was the most fucked up, amazing water park I've ever been to. I say fucked up because, like, I was harmed. Like, I definitely had, like, a small concussion for sure. Like, I was, like, thrown around like a ragdoll, but I was giddy as fuck. I had the best time. It took a little bit of convincing them to get on any more slides after that because they were like, fuck that. That was fun. And I was like, come on, what's the fun in it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's just have fun. We're in Asia. Fuck it. Of course, this is the craziest water park is in Asia. Like, that just makes sense for me. I don't know how safe it was, honestly. But um, <laughs> we had fun. There was this one ride. I'm trying to explain it because I have no visuals for you guys. It basically was like the shape of a V if you're looking directly at it. And both were like walls of water that met in the middle. And you were shoved off one side of it in like a massive raft thing. And you would go down like I swear to God, it was a 90 degree angle and you would go up the other side and then come back down. And then eventually you'd like go down into this little like river and be dropped out. But that is. Like, I swear I almost snapped my neck. Like, and maybe they were telling us instructions on how to prepare or hold our limbs before we went on these rides. But because we were English, we were just like, okay, cool. See ya. Like, we have no idea what you're saying. But I don't feel like a lot of them trying to say anything at all. But I was just like, what the fuck is this place? It was so funny. And then there was another one. It was called... I don't remember, but it was something scary. And it basically shot you out. Like it was like an 80 degree angle straight down. And then it basically spun you into the only thing I can think of is like a toilet bowl situation. And it just spun you around until you dropped. And my vertigo is like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if this is a good idea, but I did it. That's the one where I definitely got concussed on. Cause like I smoked my head like super hard. I was like, I'm confused. Where am I? I'm seeing stars. Um, but anyway, best day in Ho Chi Minh, I'd say. Like, exploring was fun. The city was cool. I did the hop-on, hop-off bus tour. But I would say that was, like, up there. Because it was just so funny. And it felt really dangerous. <laughs> it was just a thrill. Anyway, so Ho Chi overall was amazing. I feel like 
I really, really sat with myself in that week and just reflected. And I, you know what I feel like solo traveling does? I feel like it guts you from the inside out and rebuilds you. Like I had to make some challenging decisions. I had to really be in tune with myself and trust my decisions. That's another thing that I realized too, is that I don't trust myself as much as I should. Not because I'm not trustworthy, but like I second guess everything I do and say. And I think a lot of that stems from relationships and people that I've dated before. And I just think that I get into these relationships. This was another realization I had while I was there, which I was like, what the fuck? I get into these relationships kind of unconsensually. Like I don't, there's a lot of people that I've dated that I didn't actually want to date or I wasn't ready to date, but because of how hard and how fast I love and because of how maybe persuasive they were, I got into these relationships that I wasn't ready to be in. And realizing that about myself and cutting off, you know, any kind of situation before it could even be that was really big for me. Cause of course you meet a lot of people on these trips and I met, you know, a really cool, amazing guy. And I, we started talking and I had to be like, you know what? No, this chapter is not about anybody but me. And right now I, and I don't want to look back at Asia and be like, oh yeah, I met this super cool guy. And like, I started dating someone and I'm not ready to date. I'm not ready to date at all. You guys are all my proof for me saying that not anytime soon. Like I really want to take this time to be selfish and to pour all the energy that I've been pouring into these men into me. So learning to say no and cutting that off, even though that was hard, was such an empowering move for me because I was like, I always just in past would do things to maybe please others and please myself to a certain extent. I mean, I do love hard and I love quick, but it was just so empowering to realize, you know, that I hadn't been in these relationships maybe for the right reasons or even wanted to be in them in the first place. So I needed to correct that behavior of getting attached to people too quickly and making it about them instead of me. So I was like, you know what? No, we're (laughs) deading whatever this is now before it becomes anything because I just don't want it to be consuming me and I don't want to look back on Asia and remember it as oh yeah I tripped and fell in love by accident again like the fuck I want it to be like I was empowered and it was about me and I was selfish and had the best time and I don't associate those memories to it you know um I wanted it to just yeah yeah so that was really that was really big that was really hard to do really hard to do but sitting in that discomfort I just knew, and I said that to my friend too, I called her crying and I was like, I know that like I'm in discomfort for all these different reasons because there are parts of me that are unhealed and they need to be healed. And I know the universe is doing some fucking potion shit up there, just helping me, you know, guiding me to the next best thing in my life. And I just know it's going to be beautiful and I know nothing you know, worth it is easy. So having to have those conversations with myself and realizations and just being alone and being on the other side of the world and not having a friend. Like I remember the day that my business got robbed. For those of you that don't know, uh, my business got robbed at a market. Someone broke in and they stole like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of jewelry. It was very devastating. And I remember just needing a hug so fucking bad that day and just being soloing. And I'm like, do I just ask a random person for a hug? I ended up doing that. <laughs> I went to dinner with this girl from Australia and I was like, okay, I have the weirdest question for you, but like, I had the hardest day. Do you mind if I just have a big hug? 
she was like, sure, for sure. Oh my God, your energy is so like lovely and light. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I've definitely like had a fucked up day. Thanks for saying that. Cause I don't feel like my energy is lovely and light. I feel like a dark cloud, but anyway, so just like learning to navigate these things while being abroad was just, oh, it was like, it was challenging, but it was fucking dope. It was really cool to be able to do that. And I feel like I totally trust myself and my decisions now more than I ever have. Like, oh man, it was amazing. It really forced me to grow in a lot of ways. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, okay. So yeah, back to, I booked Bangkok. I decided I'm going to Thailand for just two days and I'll just see what I think and see how I like it. Boom. Best decision ever. If you've been following along on my social media, you know why. So I get to Bangkok and by this point, I'm just like, I feel like a boss bitch. I know I need a SIM card. I know I need some water. I know I need to fucking check my bags, get my bags here. And I know I need to get a grab, which is the equivalent of like a taxi or Uber here. So I'm like, I've got this. I got a little mango slushy. I'm treating myself. I'm out front of the airport. I'm waiting for my grab, I'm trying to order a grab and it's like saying error. And then I order one and the driver's like, I can't get to you. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And then I try to order another one and it's just paused and lagged. And I'm like, okay, this is like very confusing. And there is like, they do say, be careful with taxis because they can scam you because there's no like set number. Right. So especially if you're a foreigner, they'll be like double the price, triple the price, whatever. So grab is the safest way because then at least you're agreeing to an amount beforehand, similar to Uber. So my grab's not working and I'm like, uh, and I look over to my left and I see this like super tall (laughs) white guy, just like a giant of a person. And he looks like confused as fuck too. So I was just like, Hey man, (laughs) where are you going? He's like, I have no fucking idea, mate. (laughs) In a British accent. I was like, more Brits. Yay. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, same. I actually don't even know where I am on like the globe. (laughs) We will talk about geography later, but like, it's hard for me. I barely passed. I was learning a lot while I was there, but I was like, I genuinely have no fucking idea where I am right now. And my grab isn't working. He's like, I'm having a hard time with it too. Like I just flew in and he he's just starts telling me his story. He just decided to take this trip. He's doing three months and he just literally touched down from England. So he had been flying for 20 hours. He was super jet lagged, exhausted and trying to figure out this app as well. So we end up bonding over that. Um, and then I end up getting in a grab with him because his ends, ends up working. And I was like, do you care if I just like get a ride with you? And then I'll just get out where you get out or like, I'll, I'll just get the driver to at least take me from where we drop you off to my spot. And he was like, yeah, for sure. No problem. So we end up getting in, we have a half hour drive there and we just shoot the shit. We become, we become friends. He's great. And so I was like, okay, well see you like enjoy Bangkok. He's like, yeah, for sure. We exchange socials. And then the grab driver takes me to my hotel. My hotel is like, the fucking shining. Okay. Like you walk into this place and there's like a wheelchair in the corner. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's like stains on the carpet. There's like huge, the energy is like, you know, some bad shit's gone down here. You just walk in and you're like, okay, is Jack an axe or a door? Don't know. It's giving the fucking shining. So I check in and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, 
the hotel room is like super dirty and like dusty and I'm just like oh no and there's like a couch built into the wall from like the 1900s and I'm just like there's a picture of what I presume is ghosts now above it and I was just like what the fuck is this place why did this girls recommend this hotel to me how random so I'm like maybe I got the wrong hotel but I'm like no they actually clicked the link through booking.com and like said this is it So I'm like, I haven't really complained at all in Asia. I feel like if things are not up to standard in Canada and you're paying like fucking $300 a night, like I'm going to go down and be like, babe, why do I have dust on the thing? Or like, why is this dirty or why? But like in Asia, I'm like, it is what it is. Everything's $10. Like I'm not going to complain. But my friend was like, I think you should complain because you just never know. So I went down to the front desk and I was like, hey, do you guys have like like maybe a nicer room. And she was like, yeah, we have a fully renovated section of our hotel. Would you like to see it? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So she brings me to this whole ass other wing of the hotel that's fully renovated. It doesn't smell like smoke. It's super clean. It's actually quite modern and it's an extra $9 a night. And I was like, sis, yes, I'll fucking do this, please. The fuck? So that was a game changer for sure. So I ended up switching over to the room and I'm much more comfortable and happy. Um, the guy from England ends up messaging me. He's like, Hey, like we're going to go out for dinner if you want to join. And I was like, you know what? I'm just pooped. I'm going to set this out, but like maybe tomorrow. So I ended up getting up the next day, feeling refreshed and not as haunted on the better wing side of the hotel. (laughs) And we end up deciding to do all these touristy things together. So we link up, we go to this boat tour (laughs) and (laughs) we, yeah. So this boat tour goes around like all the palaces and all like the living areas and stuff. It was, it was actually really cool. So we get on it and I was like, so I'm going to be honest with you. Boats are tricky for me, but I'm going to do my best. Um, (laughs) I was like, boats can fuck with my equilibrium. I have vertigo, but as long as it's moving and it's not rocky, we're good. So that boat, that boat ride ended up being a-okay. So we ended up going on this boat tour. We have like this heart to heart about life, mental health, all the things. And we, um, end up stopping. We finish the boat. We go for lunch. We're just like having the best time. It's hot as fuck. We're just like, this is crazy. Let's go back to my pool. We go for a swim. So we end up coming back to my hotel. We're swimming. And we're just having the best time. I'm just like, this guy's fucking awesome. I, he's amazing. So we end up going for dinner, <laughs> meeting up with one of his friends and their girlfriend. And then we went to a ping pong show. <clears throat> that is all I'm going to say. If you know, you know. If you don't, I cannot discuss this on my podcast with you. I'm going to need you to Google it, do the research on your own. Oh my fucking God. It was wild. Am I glad I did it? Yes. Would I ever do it again? No, absolutely not. For sure. No. Am I a little scarred? For sure. Absolutely. I am. So that was like a very, like, (laughs) we got close quick in that day of like experiencing Bangkok for what it was. Bangkok is like, it's wild guys. Like Kelson Road. What the fuck? Like it it's pretty unbelievable. I don't think I would ever go back to Bangkok after visiting it. It just felt very much like people were trying to kind of like scam you. And it was, it was so hot. You couldn't breathe. That was tough. And I'm a heat baby, but that was like, I, my eyebrows are sweating. Like every part of me is sweating. Like, and I'm just standing here in it in like a tank top and short shorts. Like, I don't know 
what the fuck else to do? Like, so it was a very cool experience, but I wouldn't go back. So then the next day he ends up like, um, getting his hotel sorted or whatever. He's doing his own thing. I'm by the pool, just chilling. And these two guys come down to go for a swim and I make conversation with them about how fucking hot it is. And then they end up telling me that they're also from England. And I was like, bro, y'all are (laughs) everywhere. We end up having heart to hearts. We're we're talking mental health. We're talking life. Um, They're sharing their experience. They ended up, they're going, they came just to Bangkok to then pass through and go to Australia. That's where they're moving. So I was like, okay, how cool. So I was like, I actually met like another Brit yesterday and we or two days ago and we end up spending yesterday together he's super cool and they were like and they're like yeah let's meet him so we end I end up linking them all up we have dinner together that night and we all become good friends and then we start traveling together and we end up going to three different places together from there we traveled for two weeks and it was honestly so much fucking fun guys like I swear to god these guys just became like my brothers. Um, we became like one big happy family. It was really, really cute, super wholesome. And yeah, so we decided we all wanted to get the fuck out of Bangkok because obviously, and we were like, where should we go? And we debated on Phuket, but we had heard that it was quite similar to Bangkok. So we were like, maybe somewhere else, like maybe Krabby, Krabby Thailand would be cool. So just like that day, we looked into flights, we looked into a hotel we booked him and then we left the next morning and we all flew out together. It was funny because like the two that I had met later, we had booked it already, but the original one that I had met, he was hesitant on going because he had had plans to go to the north of Thailand, but we ended up convincing him to join us and it was, he can definitely vouch for the fact that it was the best decision he made as well. Um, so yeah, we went off to Krabby Thailand, which was beautiful. Seriously, if you haven't been to Krabby, Thailand, go the fuck right now if you can. It was breathtaking. And we ended up renting motorbikes there as well. It was super chill. That's one thing about Asia too is like I have no one asked to see my driver's license at any point. Like I could have not had a driver's license and it don't matter in Asia. <laughs> I'm a shit driver. Didn't matter to them. I actually fit in. Um, and we rented motorbikes and we went for this long drive on them one night and there was this moment so there was a lot of core memories throughout the trip that I look back on and I'm just like damn like oh they were so fucking beautiful but there was this moment I was leading the pack of us and we were driving through these windy roads and it almost looked like Jurassic Park is the only way I can explain it. And the sun was setting and it was like there was a cool breeze coming through and I had my AirPods in and I was just listening to music while driving on this moped in like a swimsuit with my cover up on and just like my hair whipping in the wind. And it was like, I, oh my God, it was indescribable. I bawled. I was just like fucking bawling. My tears were like blowing off my face and probably onto the boys. <laughs> I was just a fucking sopping mess because I was like, I wish that I could go back and tell my younger self, it is not only just going to be okay, bitch, you haven't even lived your best moments yet. You have not even experienced so much of life and what it has to offer you. And I think that it was in a very, emo- it was a very emotional experience for me especially because I have been, you know, on the floor wanting to give up. I have 
you know, suffered from suicide ideation and just, there's been so many moments where I'm like, life can't be worth it. Life isn't worth it. I need to give up. It's too painful. So for me to feel just this relief and this cathartic experience that I chose to bring myself on, I decided I made every decision that led me to that point. That was so fucking cool. Like I, there's no other way to put it. Like it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment (laughs) shared with me in nature. And there's so many core memories from this trip that I just look back on. And I mean, I tried to capture a lot with my phone and like the videos and stuff that I would share on social to try and depict, you know, and tell a story of what was going on. But all of my core memories weren't filmed. They weren't, you know, captured. They're just forever remembered in my brain. But I wish I could yeah, like I said, just plug in my eyes, plug in my brain to all of you guys so you could understand just like the beauty and the moment and the feeling and the like the scent and the wind and that, you know, everything. It's just, it was honestly unbelievable. There's, you know, I've tried a lot of drugs in my day and I drank a lot. There's absolutely nothing that compares to that. I remember saying that to my, to my British friends. Like I was like, I, have done so many drugs and I have never reached a high like I just had right there sober ripping on this moped in the middle of Krabby Thailand like that was unmatched it was magic and there was so many moments like that Krabby was amazing because we had just started really experiencing the true culture of Thailand and like the food and you know the the locals and it was just so peaceful. It was a lot more peaceful than Bangkok. We were all kind of like, yeah, this is more the vibe we were hoping for. And so we explored the night market. We met friends from Australia and the Netherlands. That was really cool. Um, we did lots of like late night skinny dips in the ocean, which was beautiful. One night when we did it, there was a lightning storm and it was breathtaking to watch. Yeah, like, every part of the trip was a fucking movie. I swear to God. Like, it, I'm not exaggerating in the least. I'm actually probably not even doing it justice with how <laughs> amazing it was. Like, I, oh, it was just unbelievable. And I think it helps to the headspace I was in as well. Just, like, not having any attachment to anybody. Like, for me, when I'm in a relationship, I don't want to say it taints experiences because that sounds just like awful and wrong and not the message I'm trying to convey. But like, if you have BPD, you know what I mean. Like when you are in a relationship, it is all consuming. Like every move they make, everything they say, everything they do, it it is heavy on you. Like it weighs on you. So I feel like experiencing that for me, myself, my borderline ass, I feel like if I were to experience that with a partner, it would have been so significantly different. And there may have been some really cool moments for sure, of course, but for me to be able to experience that all on my own and not have somebody else's emotions be able to pull my mood so quickly, like that is, that's huge, right? And just not allowing myself to have any deep attachment to anybody, but just like accept everyone for who they are and what they are and like that this is just a moment and it doesn't need to be forever. And like that was really good practice for me as well. And it just instilled a lot of hope and faith into myself and my decision making and 
who I am as a person. And that was honestly the whole mission of the trip was to just get back to who I was and really rediscover myself, rediscover and also like just analyze this new version of me too, right? So this is like single list. This is 31-year-old list. I actually turned 31 while I was there, which was amazing. Um, And I just wanted to tap into who I was outside of relationships, outside of mindful mode, which is my company for those that don't know, because I have poured every single ounce of blood, sweat, tears, money, everything into that business for the last two and a half years. I have never taken a day off. When you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, you don't take days off. You rarely take moments off because you're constantly thinking, the gears are constantly turning. So for me, I'm like, I fucking deserve this trip to just step away from everything and just really get into and like just really tap into who I am outside of all of it, you know? And I was blessed to have my assistant take over running the business, the majority of it and front of house of it for me to actually be able to properly unplug. Like that was huge. It makes me want to cry again because like that was just such a wonderful opportunity that she was able to bless me with and bless the business with because you know, without me in a good headspace, the business don't go too far. So <laughs> I feel like that was, it was such a rejuvenating and, and a needed experience for myself. And yeah, and in turn, I feel like I came home just full of energy and full of inspiration and new ideas of how to expand the business. And I'm just ready to get back into work now that I'm back, you know, but yeah, that was definitely needed to take that, to take that break for myself. So after we did Krabby, we went to PP Islands, which I was a little bit nervous for because I, like I said, I don't do boats because of my vertigo, but it was a big ferry and the boys were reassuring me. They're like, it's okay. It's good. We'll distract you if, you know, cause I said distraction is huge whenever I'm having like some sort of panic or disorientation relating to vertigo, just distract me because it'll help you know, lessen the intense, the intenseness of the overwhelming moment that it is. And so anyway, they were like, it's going to be fine. We're good. We get on. I don't even feel like I'm on a boat. Honestly, it was the smoothest, most peaceful ride. And then we actually went to the top in the front of the boat for the remainder of the ride. We were only inside the boat for like 20 minutes. And then we just went up to the top of the boat. I'm like blanking on what the top of the boat's called. I feel like there's some sort of specific boat term. I don't fucking know. It's whatever. So anyway, we go up to the top and we're just chilling. It's just us, just us four. And we put on the music and we're just vibing. Like we are just, oh, it was breathtaking that I got some videos of and put on my Instagram. That was beautiful. And we were just living in the moment and we all were so silent for like half an hour. Nobody spoke to each other and we were just taking in the waves and the islands and the distance and the music that was playing. And there's a song actually that I'm going to find. I think it's called Inner Bloom. I want to find the artist. I actually am going to find this song for you right now because after you listen to this episode, I want you to hear it. And I want you to picture me in Thailand on a boat just making a core memory, okay? Yes, it's called Inner Bloom Radio Edit by Rufus Du Soul. So R-U-F-U-S space D-U space S-O-L. Let me know what you think of that song. It's very good. 
Anyway, when I listened to that song after I got back from my trip, I bawled my eyes out because I was like, that is the core memory song of Thailand. That is our anthem. That was the song. And yes, that was amazing. So we pull in to PP Islands and it's even more chill. We were like, okay, this is even better. And I got my hair braided before we left Krabby and we went to PP. And that was that was really cool. So I had like extensions put in and like the whole braids done. And it was just, I had four people braiding my hair at once. It was wild. They did it in two hours. It was beautiful and very island vibes. So yeah, we pull up. We actually didn't even know we were staying at that point. We just pulled up and we had some lunch and figured it out. We were like, okay, this hotel looks cool. It was a couple steps from the beach. It was really nice. And it was cool because we all were in the same hallway. So two of the boys were to the left of me and then one was across. So it was just perfect. Every night when we'd get ready to go out to dinner, we'd each have our own vibe of music playing. We'd go in and out of each other's rooms. It was just fun. It was very much like family dynamic. And so the first night we check in and we walk down and we, the tide is so far out that we could walk out forever. And it was still like maybe a foot deep, like not even. So we went out super far, sat down, played in the water for a bit. And then we came in and we were just chilling on the beach and we watched the sunset and the sunset lasted for like two hours. It just kept changing colors and Oh my God, it was beautiful. And we were just listening to music. That was also another core memory. It was just like so peaceful and just, yeah, just beautiful and breathtaking in the vibe and the energy of the island. Everyone was just there to chill and to party and to have fun. And it was just such a cool mix of different people. Um, We ended up staying there for four nights. Yeah, that was amazing. The food was really good. Uh, We met a lot of cool people. There was just so many different options, like if you're chilling or if you're partying. Like there's a lot of boat tours you can do, which I will tell you about in one moment. Um, (laughs) And there's like pool parties. You can go like explore the caves. You can go on tours. There's just lots to do. But the island's super small, like maybe 15 minutes and you've walked around it all. Um, But yeah, so anyway, so we book... (laughs) This is fucked. So we book a boat tour and their idea was like to do a private boat tour because that way we don't have to sit with a bunch of strangers and we don't have to go to places longer than we want. And plus, if I had any type of like vertigo, then I could be like, just drop me off. So we booked the boat tour and I'm a little nervous about it because it is a smaller wooden boat. And so the thing with vertigo, if you're going like straight on a boat and it's just going consistent speed, it's totally fine. But if the boat stops and it gets rocky or it's just like super wavy and rocky and goes side to side, that's when it fucks with your equilibrium. And that feels like you're dying. Um, wish I was exaggerating. I'm not. So I'm a little bit nervous, but it looks pretty like flat, like the water looks pretty chill and calm. So I was like, it's going to be okay. The boys are like, yeah, it's going to be okay. (laughs) So we get on this motherfucking wooden ass boat and I'm just like, oh my God, this is going to be so cute. Magical. We get in as soon as we pass, like where the Island jets up and we're open to like wind, bro. 
That was one of the most terrifying experiences for me. And the thing is, it has nothing to do with, like, is the boat going to capsize? I'm not afraid of drowning or sinking or, like, sharks. I don't think about it. It's just the discomfort that comes from having vertigo and being in a situation where it's fucking with your equilibrium. It gets so bad. I lost my mind. I I cannot remember the last time that I had a panic attack that was so intense based off of my vertigo. Like it's been a really long time because I I also haven't put myself in situations where I know that it could be bad, but I was like this trip is about facing my fears. I'm a bad bitch. We're going on a fucking boat tour. Let's do this. No. We're never going on a boat tour again. <laughs> I've done it. I've conquered it. No, thank you. I panicked so hard and my body like started just like I was just shaking like my friend was holding me from behind holding my hands just like they were all trying to calm me down they're like listen it's okay you're you're safe you're this it's gonna be you know you're doing so great (laughs) I'm just like I'm not doing great but I appreciate your kind words I panicked so hard that my brain dissociated within five minutes if you have mental illness especially BPD you know um, the feeling of dissociation. It's actually kind of like a nice treat. And I usually dissociate after I have a borderline episode, sometimes for like a couple hours or a whole day, depends. In this case, I got the entire day because of how intense the trauma was that I felt. My brain just was like, nope, we're going to like rest. So I just was freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And then all of a sudden I just stopped. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I guess I'm just like, it's honestly like, it feels like for those that don't know what I mean, it feels like you kind of go into shock and it feels numb. Like it kind of feels like you're buzzed, like off alcohol, or maybe you just have a a puff of weed um, and you just feel like numb. Like your brain just starts to like coat and you just feel like calm. Like it's a super relaxing feeling and a little bit euphoric. So we jumped off the boat um, once we were parked and we started snorkeling and I'm like high as a fucking kite, dissociative and like just swimming through all these colorful fish and having the best time. So it's funny because these boys just watch me like almost jump off the boat into the water to just like get away from the feeling of the boat rocking me to me being like, fishies, I love it here. They're just like, okay, (laughs) this bitch is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I fully own it. It's all good. Um, so, uh, snorkeling was the coolest thing ever. I was having the best time and the guy who was our boat tour, he was feeding the fish. And so there was just a plethora of so many fish and I was just swimming through them and there was rainbow fish and dories and Nemo's and like all of it. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Another thing I never used to swim in the ocean because if you don't know, whales are my biggest fear of all time. Why are they size of a bus? Like, why are they that big? They're dinosaurs. It scares me. I'm working on it. I'm working on not hating the whales because, like, they're just trying to be a whale and just enjoy their life. And I'm over here on land, never going to see one. And I'm just like, I hate them. Like, that's not cool. They don't deserve that. I do believe all of our fears come from some sort of psychological reasoning. I think their immensity, their size makes me feel some type of way. Like, it really scares me that they could just harm me even though they're not even really trying to harm humans that's more the sharks whales scare me more than sharks that's crazy anyway so i was just facing my fears that day swimming in the fucking ocean where whales just be living and also getting on a boat 
So I was just really feeling empowered by the end of that day and still dissociative. So yeah, we had a couple more stops on the boat tour and then we went back, grabbed some lunch and I was dissociative until I went to bed that night. hundred percent. I was just like, I don't really know where I am. Not sure. <laughs> not sure how, like what's happening. It It's honestly such a trip, but I was grateful that my brain just kind of took over and said, nah, we got this. <laughs> We're not going to feel this. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, <laughs> PP was super amazing. Loved every minute of it. And then I actually have one more super traumatic boat story for everyone. And then we'll get back to the goodies. So we needed to leave the island, obviously, by boat. And so we booked another ferry and we decided, let's go to Phuket. We're going to go to Patong Beach, which is another very popular tourist spot. And we needed to take a ferry out. So I wasn't too stressed because I'd already taken a ferry in and your girl was fine. I was thriving. I was making core memories on the fucking top of the boat. So I was like, you know what? We're good. Everything's fine. We're good. So we wake up the morning we're supposed to leave and it's like the biggest storm I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen rain like that. The trees look like they were bent in half from the wind. And I was like, okay, cute. This is a little concerning now So luckily the storm died down, like it completely stopped by the time we needed to get on the ferry. So we were checking in on the ferry and the woman working was like, just so you know, we're, we're providing plastic bags and anti-sickness tablets to everybody on board because it is going to be a little bit rocky today. And I was like, bro, if Asia's warning me of something, this ain't going to be good. (laughs) This ain't going to be good. I just looked at the boys and they were like, ah, shit. And I was like, this ain't going to be good. I'm really scared. So I took my gravel. I took my Tums. I had also woken up that morning with kind of like a bug and my stomach was super upset and I couldn't keep any food down. So I was like, okay, and I'm nauseous, but we're going to be positive. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We're alive. Were we okay? No, but we're alive to tell the story today. So we get on the ferry. And we start going and same thing. It's okay. But as soon as we get past that island that juts out, because the island essentially like the big rocks that are sticking up, they're blocking the wind. As soon as we get out of that, we are going side to side. This is a four decker ferry. It's massive. There's like a fucking basement and there's three floors on top of that. Massive. It might've been five floors with the basement. Anyway, not important massive ferry okay you couldn't stand nobody could stand nobody could stand because if they stood they would fall the fuck over or off the boat there is no way we should have been out there on the water i think that our boat ride should have been canceled i would have happily still been in pp to have never taken that boat right now today would be happy to be there if i if it meant i never had to get on that fucking boat i we were on the top deck of the boat at the back and the boys were super hungover. So they were like fucked for their own reasons. Um, and like one of them was laying on the ground cause they were just like, I can't function. This is actually fucking terrible. Um, I white knuckled the back bar of the boat and stared at the horizon for two hours straight. I had my beat, my Dre beats on and I just let the music take me away. And I practice everything I ever learned in meditation Ever, all the skills all came into play. 
And I just let the music take me away. I was practicing mindfulness like you'd never fucking believe. And I just imagined being anywhere but on that boat. You had to. I feel like even if you didn't have vertigo or anxiety or anything else that I fucking have, you still didn't enjoy your boat ride. The boys hated it. They were like, that was the worst ever of all time. Like, you did so good. We're so proud of you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not here. I've certainly checked out. I have left the building. I am not on this boat. I am not present. I am not. I am literally somewhere else. I'm in my brain. I'm in memories that I like. I'm not. I'm not here. So I stare at the horizon and I'm just like the self-talk is beautiful. I wish I could have recorded it. But I was just like, we're okay. We have been through so much worse. We are going to survive this. We are going to thrive from this. We don't ever need to get on a boat ever again. And that's okay. We won't ever get on a boat, no matter what. Someone could get married on a boat. Drake could invite me on his fucking boat. And I'll be like, no, thank you. My girls will go. You can send me pics. Not getting on a fucking boat. Not getting on a boat. Not getting on a boat unless there is a helicopter on the boat. Like it's a big enough boat that there's a heli and the heli can take me off the boat if there is an emergency. So I suppose I would get on a boat, but there is very intense conditions that would have to be in place for me to get on another boat. Anyway, so two hours of hell on earth. At no point did it slow down. It was just side to side to side. I actually asked the boys if they got a video and they're like, we couldn't even pull out our phones. No. I was like, okay. Yeah. So that was fucked and we got back we got to Phuket and then we took a windy drive I know it's windy because of the way back when I needed to leave Phuket but I didn't know it was windy because way there because I like I said I just absolutely checked out we got back to the hotel and I was like you know what I'm just gonna call it a night it was like 6 p.m I just slept for 13 hours woke up and I was like okay I'm okay I can take on anything. I like the way I felt when I woke up from the small coma that I was just in. I really, truly felt like I could take on anything. I was like, that was the most ridiculous. I would rather go through a breakup than go on that boat again. Like that was so fucked up. (laughs) Anyway, but I survived it. We're thriving. We're okay. It took a couple of days for my equilibrium to balance out and it didn't feel like I was moving, but we're good now. Phuket was interesting. Phuket was just like Bangkok. Um, a little bit more trashy, not as clean of beaches, um, but still beautiful. Like, absolutely beautiful. I went to go see Big Buddha. One day I rented a bike and went up there with um, a friend that I had made. I'm just trying to remember where he was from. Israel. Oh, yeah, that was cool. He was from Israel. But, yeah, so that was a really fun part of the trip in Phuket was at least doing Big Buddha, but the rest of it, I mean, I was kind of sick. I still had that bug, and I was just like, after the boat ride, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think we're done here. <laughs> I think it might be time to go back to Vietnam. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up booking a flight. I only stayed there three nights, and then I ended up booking a flight out to back to Hanoi, where my home base was, to go see my girl. I'm like, I could use some feminine energy. I could use a big hug. I could use a badge of honor for the things I've just accomplished over the last couple weeks, uh, I could use it all. So I'm coming home to you. So saying goodbye to the boys was actually heartbreaking. Like they do not know how much I cried when I got in my taxi to go to the airport. But if you're listening, boys, it was a fuck ton. I cried the entire time, the whole hour it took. It was so sad. And When we were chatting with this girl that we met from the Netherlands, she said, the bonds that you make when you're solo traveling, they're so much more intense than your regular life because you're 
kind of fast forwarding all of the time you're spending together. You're amping it up, right? Like if you made a new friend in your waking life and your regular routine, you would be like, let's go to the movies next week for a couple hours. And then you're like, cool, in a couple weeks we should do this. But when you're solo traveling and you meet other travelers, you just merge your days together and you're spending like 12, 15 hour days back to back to back doing these really cool experiences, building these core memories and you just become so close. So I honestly feel like they became my family. They were like my protectors. They look out for me. You know, they were just, they were just amazing guys. So saying goodbye to them it was hard not to like throw up from crying so hard anyway I get back to Hanoi and I'm with my girl and I get to catch up with her and we have a yummy dinner together and I'm just telling her about all the adventures it was crazy because before I left her when we were in Natrang she was like you can do this this is going to be so good for you this is going to be amazing and I was like this is probably going to be like the coolest part of my trip and I'm just over here tripping and so nervous about it she's like honestly it probably is and it was so it was cool to be like I did it and you know made her proud made myself proud it was it was special so I ended up staying in Hanoi just for a couple days because I mainly, I needed to get my stuff. I wanted to say goodbye to her. And so I got the rest of my bags and packed up. And then I ended up going to Seoul, South Korea for the last week of my trip. So I had originally, when I flew here, like I said, I had a layover in Seoul. I'd never been before, but the airport was stunning. The people were stunning. Everybody smelled fresh as fuck. Like it was just very cool. Korea's cool as fuck. So I was like, it would make sense for me to break up my flight and to go, you know, to Seoul for a bit. There's a bit of a time difference, start to adjust and not have as long of of a flight. Right. So, and my friend, she recommended it. She was like, I, out of all the places I've traveled, like that is one of my top places I've ever been. And I was like, okay. So I went to Seoul, South Korea for, it was five nights, so six days. So I landed and then got settled in. My hotel was really cute. And it was about like a 40-minute metro from Seoul. Like Seoul's massive, so it was kind of on the outskirts. And I think there's like 10 million people in Seoul. It's massive. It's, It's a really big city. And that was really cool too, but it was such a different experience from the rest of the trip because I was... I was super solo. I didn't meet any Westerners while I was there. Yeah, not. I'm just thinking back. I didn't meet a single... It was all locals and barely anyone spoke English. The only conversations I had was really through Google Translate. So it was a very solo-esque ending to my (laughs) solo trip to Asia. It was just... It felt a little bit... A bit more lonely. Like, not, not lonely in a bad sense. Just, like, very you know, isolating and, and alone, but it was a really cool experience. I mean, for me to navigate a whole country by myself, cause with Thailand, like I had the boys with Vietnam, I had my friend, you know, for the first couple of weeks. So for me being alone in South Korea and like managing the Metro and figuring out where my hotel is and how to get from point A to point B and like what the tourist things are to do, like all on my own, like I felt really proud of myself. It was a really good last leg of the trip. And South Korea is much more advanced. It's similar to like North America in that sense. Like everything's pretty much cashless and you're just, it's more like futuristic. It's cool. I like it. So it was, again, it was just such a big change up from what I was used to. Everything in Vietnam and Thailand is like very cash and it's kind of like backwards in time in comparison to our culture here. So it was a really cool last leg of the trip for sure. I'm really grateful I did it. I also loaded up on skincare 
because I need to take skincare seriously. I feel like now that I'm in my 30s, I need to like really dedicate some time to (laughs) making sure I don't age at all. So I loaded up on skincare because Koreans have the most beautiful skin of all time. So yeah, that was amazing. And then I went to the night market a lot. Like the walking street was really cool. I ate a lot of street food, did a lot of shopping. They have a lot of cool stuff. And you know what I realized too about the, the culture there? I feel like kind of like same as Tokyo and Japan, there's like all these like characters and it's almost like very childlike. It's cool because I went to a theme park while I was there and I've never gone to a theme park by myself before, but all the men are like wearing like headbands and stuff. And like, they have these cool purses and these funky bright phone cases. I feel like just from my observation, I would imagine there's a lot less toxic masculinity there because there's a lot of femininity. There's a lot of expression with no judgment. There's a lot of like childlike things. It was actually a very healing trip for my inner child because I just felt like, like I got this cute little, um, phone case charm that had like gummy bears on it. I'm like, that's so random and cute, but like, you know, cause it's just not like that in Canada. And if it is, it's at Claire's and only children shop there. And that would be weird for us to wear stuff like that. And that sucks because like I really like that you know what I mean so it was just cool to see the difference in the cultures and compare the two I I honestly really enjoyed Seoul and then from Seoul I came home my flight was a little bit shorter um, because I did stay in Seoul which was nice and honestly both flights either way like the 11 hour flight didn't feel like 11 hours like I really it maybe felt like five both times I was like Okay, good to know. Like, maybe it's just because the blinds are closed or the fucking windows are closed and the plane is dark or you're just watching movies, you're just chilling, time's passing really fast. But I didn't find them that bad. If you're, like, nervous for long flights, like, I really didn't mind them. Just download some movies, download some game apps, you know, just keep yourself busy, do some laps of the plane. For me, like, I just ask for a lot of snacks. Like, I just do laps of the plane. They just be like, can I actually get more snacks, more pretzels, more cookies? Like, <laughs> I love it. So I was loaded up on snacks, just snacked out the whole time, and just relaxed, unplugged, honestly. It wasn't bad at all. And then my bestie, Jason, picked me up from the airport, which was lovely. And that being reunited with him has just been like... It's been amazing telling him everything and showing him all the pictures and videos, all the ones that didn't make the gram. So, you know, the goodies. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been back for five days now, and my jet lag was brutal coming back. When I landed in Hanoi, when I first got there, it was about three days of jet lag, but the timing helped a lot. Like, it wasn't because I landed at night and I could just go right to bed, and I kind of was forced into that routine really quickly. But when I flew back, I left at 11 a.m. Seoul time and then flew and had travel time of 15 hours total and then landed here at 11 a.m. Vancouver time. So that really fucked me up because I was wide awake for a couple hours and then I slept throughout the day and then was wide awake at night. So for me, the jet lag was like four days. And jet lag, if you've never had it before, I always just thought, okay, you're probably tired. But like, yeah, there's like nausea, upset stomach, mood dysregulation, confusion, fatigue. Like I was just felt like really confused. I felt like somebody had just picked me up and dropped me back in Canada. Like I was like, how am I here and why am I back? Like, <laughs> um, 
so adjusting was a little bit trickier. And then I definitely had a very sad day where I was just like, fuck, I really don't know if I can live in Canada after being in Asia for so long because I loved it so much. And like I said, it it really felt like that culture is more what I would resonate with and want to live like, you know? So it was challenging. I definitely had a day where I was like, I don't want to deal with this shit. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this. But the next day I had slept better and I felt a lot more regulated. And I was like, you know what? I think whenever we get upset about the situations we're in, we're not focusing on the things we're, we're grateful for, right? We're not practicing gratitude at its most. And like, I look around and I just have this amazing business that's thriving. And I live in this beautiful place in Vancouver. I'm so blessed. I'm living in a dream I once had, you know, it's okay to have a new dream and maybe a new goal to live somewhere else. But I think it's so important to to recenter myself and just be like, okay, girl, we're we're super fucking blessed. And, you know, if this is where we are working right now and this is what we get to wake up to every day, like this is this is amazing too. So I think just practicing gratitude has really helped me recenter, you know, coming back and coming home and resettling back into my routine. Damn, this has been real <laughs> reliving this. This has been amazing and I hope I painted a really authentic picture of how my how my travel went there's uh, like a million more things I could go on about but it would be like a seven hour fucking podcast episode and we can't be having that um if you guys have any more specific questions for me like you're like okay elaborate on this feel free to message me I will say that I'm going to be dropping another episode about my travel, but I'm going to be more specific with the cities I stayed in, um, what I paid, the some of the hotels I'd recommend, the do's and the don'ts um, suggestions. So if you're going to be traveling to Southeast Asia, that's definitely one you want to tune into because I'm going to give you all the nitty gritties, all the, even like your packing to-do list, because that's something that I wish I knew more about. And just learning about the currency and stuff like that and all the apps you'll need, like, I got you. I'm going to plug you guys. Your trip to Asia is going to be super smooth because of me. I got you. It's going to be the best trip of your life also. So yay. And if you are going to Asia, please tell me about it. Please tell me when you're going. I want to see pictures from your trip. I want to know how it was. Like, please involve me because I'm just like so excited for everyone to experience Asia. Like, it's absolutely beautiful. And I like went to three countries. That's it. There's so much more that I would want to do when I go back because I will go back for sure. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for listening to me tell you all about my trip. I hope you enjoyed it. It was actually probably the easiest episode to record because I was like, I'm just going to go into this, like pretending I'm just speaking to my friend about my trip. And I feel like I did just that. So this has been a hoot. We've got an hour and 45 minutes for you to listen to. And I hope you enjoyed every single second of it. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I loved having you. If you wish to support this podcast, please follow us so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media at Full Minded Podcast. Once a month, I will do an episode where I answer questions that have been sent in. Please visit our website at www.fullmindedpodcast.com to submit all your questions. If you wish to be a guest on this podcast, please fill out the form on our website to apply. Your continued support means the world, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to tune into Full Minded with Alyssa Betta. 
Until next time, be kind to yourselves and remember that there is power in owning our imperfect and messy lives. It's all a part of the human experience and you're not alone in it.